Recovery Elevator, episode 442. That's when I really started doing a lot of day ones. And, you know, that's that's the inner voice, you know, that we all know that started that was, why can't you do this? You know, you said you weren't going to drink. And then, you know, five o'clock rolls around, rolls around after work. And, well, I haven't been to this liquor store in a while. They They might not recognize me. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm excited to be with you today. On today's show, we have Jeff. He's 35, lives in Salt Lake City, and had his last drink on April 6, 2023. Nice job, Jeff. I want to give a quick shout out to our chat host over in Cafe RE. Thank you for continuing to hold space for our community and for creating an environment where we can come together and heal. What you do matters and we appreciate you. Before we get into the intro, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Go Brewing. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Go Brewing. Go Brewing has an amazing lineup of NA beers. Go Brewing has won a gold and silver medal at the prestigious Best of Craft Beer Awards for two of their beers. Their Sunshine State Tropical IPA will definitely be one of my go-tos this summer. You guys know how much I love mango. This beer has hints of mango and peach, and it's super refreshing. Go Brewing brews 100% of their beer in their brewery in Chicagoland. They package everything in-house as well. Every can is pasteurized for maximum freshness, safety, and quality. Everything is crafted from classic ingredients with no added sugar. The end result is a delicious, non-alcoholic beer, naturally lowering carbs and calories. If you are ready to try Go Brewing, save 15% as a listener of the Recovery Elevator podcast by using the code ELEVATOR, plus free shipping on three six-packs or more. Cheers! Thanks, Odette. I just ordered the Grapefruit IPA, the New School Sourberry, and that Sunshine State Tropical IPA Odette was talking about. I can't wait to give them a shot. All right, let's get into it. The week that this episode is being released is a very exciting week for me. This Wednesday, August 9th, we kick off our 2023 Bozeman Retreat, and I'll be celebrating six years sober. As a disclaimer, I'll get six years, God willing, as long as I don't screw up. This is an ongoing joke that I have with my sponsor. First, I want to shout out the attendees who are headed to Montana this week. I cannot wait to see you. Chances are you're feeling a mix of excitement and nervousness. I promise you that's completely normal and you're going to be okay. This is my fourth year going to Bozeman and I feel those same sorts of feelings every time. There's going to be a nice mix of newcomers as well as some experienced campers. And the time we're going to be spending together is designed to bring us closer. We have a team of folks who are going to be there to help you understand the schedule and get you from place to place. We also have plenty of time built in to reflect and decompress. This is an impactful week and I'm excited to spend it with you. Lean into those feelings and be ready to be met with more love and support than you ever thought was possible. It's going to be great. Like I said, this is my fourth time attending Bozeman and this will be my second year in a row that I get to celebrate my soberversary while out in Montana. It's a little bittersweet for me. I wish my family could come out and be with me on that day, 
but I know that we'll do something special when I get home. I try to use these anniversary days as an opportunity to reflect. I think about my life as it was and where I am today. What have I gone through? How have I been able to meet the challenges placed in front of me? Am I moving in the direction that I want to in my life? When I'm reflecting on the past, it's important to not get stuck there. It's a chance to be appreciative for the state of my life today and an opportunity to be aware of any unfinished business. I try to show that version of myself some grace and throw a little love his way. The Chris that was an active addiction wasn't able to show himself love. To be completely honest, I hated myself. I knew that the things I was doing were hurting the people around me. I knew that I was hurting myself. I knew that my wife, my kids, my parents and friends all loved me, but I couldn't let them in. I didn't know how to let them in. The loop of thoughts that I am not enough, that I've screwed up too much, that I deserve to feel this way were on repeat and I hadn't yet figured out how to get through those feelings. If you're listening and you're in that space today, I want you to know that I see you. If you woke up, hung over again, or if you're riding through some leftover anxiety from the last time things went too far, you're not alone. I lived in those feelings for years. Many of us have. I know how hard it is. If that's you, I want you to just take a minute with me. Please make sure that you're somewhere safe. Don't do this while driving. Find a comfortable spot and sit down with your feet on the ground. Close your eyes and put one hand in your lap and the other over your heart. Pay attention to your natural breath. Feel your feet touching the ground. Feel your hands. Feel your heart beating. We're going to do a little box breathing where we breathe in for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, exhale for three seconds, hold it for three seconds and repeat. We're going to do that three times. In, hold, out, hold, in, hold, out, hold, in, hold, out, hold. Come back to your normal breath. Notice your breath. Notice your feet. Notice your hands. Notice your heart. Now repeat after me. I am here. I am enough. I am loved. I can do this. I am worth it. Keep paying attention to your breath, feel your heart, and know that there's other listeners that are doing this exercise too. Send a little bit of love out to them. As you do that, know that it's being sent to you too. Let it come in. You deserve this. When you're ready, open your eyes. Things might be hard right now, but it's not the end. This is the beginning. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's hard. We don't have to be perfect, RE. That's never going to happen. All we have to be is willing. 
We have to be willing to be honest with where we are today. Without judgment, how are things in our life right now? What is the next right thing to step into your new future? Where can we find support? Don't worry about trying to resolve every issue in your life all at once. Just take those little bites. I believe in you. Before we hear from Jeff, let's hear a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to do. I read a quote recently that I really liked. It said, whenever you can't decide which path to take, pick the one that produces change. It resonated with me. These words are very clear and simple, but honestly, for me, sometimes doing the right thing is hard to do. How are we even supposed to know what the right thing is? When I find myself here, having a therapist has been crucial. I need a different perspective. I need someone to catch my blind spots and challenge me gently. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash elevator. Recovery Elevator, please help me welcome Jeff to the show. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's um, a beautiful morning here in Utah and excited to uh, continue to work on my sobriety here. So it's good to see you, Chris. Yeah, likewise. Glad to have you, dude. I'm excited to to get into your story. Before we do that, can you let listeners know how long you've been sober? Today is day nine zero for me, 90. So I'm pretty freaking stoked. <laughs> that's freaking awesome, dude. 90, that's a big deal. I like those like milestone uh, round numbers. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. Been working on it for 10 years. This is the longest I've been sober for, well, since I started working on this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Feeling good. Amazing job, Jeff. Are you going to do anything to celebrate today, do you think? Uh, I think my wife and I are going to just go out to dinner and um, have a nice kombucha. It'd be nice. There you go. No cacao? Uh, maybe some cacao. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that might not make sense to anybody Anybody who was at Bozeman a couple years ago. Yeah. and would get it. We'll just leave it at that. Inside yep. jokes are fine. All right. Before we get to your story, Jeff, can you let listeners know a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do for a living, family, uh, anything else we should know, but most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah. So I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I've been in Salt Lake City for, for the past seven years. I'm 35 years old. I am married, no kids, but we have two dogs, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever and a Labradoodle. Uh, and for fun, Tons of mountain biking, skiing, um, music is a big part of my life. Um, I like to run and a lot of camping here in Utah. I love camping in the desert. Nice. Lots of outlets. Yes. I think it's good. Lots uh, of tools. I know a lot of times we figure out, we figure out like it, like as we get into recovery, we figure out what the heck we like to do and, and how we like to enjoy our time. And have you noticed that with like, with the music and the outdoor stuff, 
have you been able to embrace that on like a different level as you've been working your recovery? Yeah, I've, it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's, it's more of a, uh, kind of a necessity, you know, like when I'm starting to feel a little bit, uh, you know, on edge or the anxiety's kicking up or I'm starting to feel a little bit off. It's kind of like the, the multiple choice test, right? Should I, uh, should I do a meditation? Should I go running? Should I go biking? You know, and, and it's, it's, it's great to have those tools and, you know, they were all hobbies and, um, I would do them all while, while I was drinking. Um, but it was more like a survival mode and now I can do them and actually enjoy them. <laughs> That's a good shift, man. Yeah, it's great. All right, Jeff, let's do what we came here to do, my guy. Let's talk about your journey with alcohol and what got us to this amazing day 90. Uh, yeah. But I imagine it starts a little before 90 days ago. So take us back to to the beginning, maybe your first introduction to alcohol or, or what kind of set the stage for that. Yeah. So my relationship with... Uh with alcohol started, you know, back when, um, you know, pretty much as far back as I can remember, alcohol was always around the house. My, my parents had a really good, uh, group of friends. Um, and we did a lot of stuff together. Um, growing up in Anchorage, Alaska, there's a ton of, you know, fishing, rafting, skiing, flying, um, all, all the fun stuff. And, you know, there was always, always booze involved. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, uh, celebrate, uh, New Year's together and, you know, J- July 4th. And, you know, it was always, um, it was always there and I never really witnessed it in moderation. So it was always, always in excess. Um, now I know it was an excess, but, you know, just observing it as a kid, it was normal. You know, it was also normal for, you know, someone to get, to get sick and go disappear in a bathroom for the evening. Um, so I, I, I observed that and that, you know, that was kind of normal. So that's, uh, that's where it started. Um, my first, my first drink drink, um, was I say drink drink cause I, um, had sips here and there, you know, growing up, but my first real opportunity to drink, I was 16 and stole one of my buddy's friends bottles of i think it was a handle of uh captain morgan is what i remember um and went down in my buddy's basement and and proceeded to drink all of us it was kind of our first time and and uh it was drink way too much way too fast because we didn't know what we're doing and it it, and uh you know people started getting sick and, 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 you know, saying this is gross. Why am I doing this? Or, you know, falling asleep. And, you know, I, I kept going, um, you know, so that's, it, it was pretty much from the beginning, I noticed that my, my behavior or my relationship with alcohol was, was different. Oh man, Captain Morgan, that'd be a nice spicy <laughs> spiced vomit. That's that just sounds super appealing. Oh, you know, as you were talking about just kind of that early exposure, like a question that popped into my head was like, oh, did you see any negative consequences? But yeah, you mentioned that even, you know, people disappearing to to get mm-hmm. sick or boot and rally. It's, yeah, it's, it's wild. And it's, you know, I think it's important that we look at this stuff, like without judgment towards the people that we were, you know, whatever they were doing their life, presumably the best they could, mm-hmm. but it's, but it, that informs us at a young age of like, what's what's normal and acceptable and it's 
Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, absolutely nothing that uh, my parents and the, you know, the generation before me did wrong. They were doing the best they could with the tools they had. It was just, uh, you know, just what I observed and, you know, it, it was normal. From that, that first experience where you noticed that it was, that it was a little different for you, that you, you had this desire, this urge to, to keep going that I feel that that resonates with me big time. From that first time, was did that like begin a regular habit, or was that just kind of a a toe in the water until later, or or did that did that progress like from there right away? Yeah, so it was a it was a little bit of a kind of a toe in the water. I didn't I didn't really seek it out after that, but every time I had the opportunity, I would go one hundred and ten percent when I was drinking, and I I know this now um, after a lot of work with. Um, with uh, my therapist, but I was pretty depressed in high school. And that that first exposure to drinking at, at 16 kind of, you know, I, I, I really connected with it because it just gave me a way to get out of my body and escape, you know, and I, I did, I did some things in, in, in high school, you know, um, experimented with some self harm and, and, uh, you know, just, just because I was, I was miserable and on the, on the outside, I was, I was, uh, you know, everything was going right. I, I was <laughs> captain of the hockey team. I was, uh, gosh, I was prom king. I, I, I had a truck. I had a girlfriend. You know, everything was on the outside looking great, but I was, uh, I was miserable. Um, and every time that I had the opportunity to get that escape, I, I, I took it. I took it 110 percent. It's hard, man. It's, it's hard when we, when we've got this discontent. With like with ourselves, like that's such a a deep personal feeling that's hard to it's hard to share, especially if that hasn't been modeled to us. That's hard to share. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't we feel mm-hmm. weird, like we're the only ones who are feeling this. And when when we find that outlet to get rid of that, it's I mean, obviously, you know, we know it's not it's not a healthy outlet, and we you know we've survived the consequences up to today. I mentioned earlier, I didn't I didn't know I was miserable, and and you know, I just didn't. I didn't have the tools to look inside and figure out, you know, how I was doing. You know, I did I just didn't know how to ask myself, you doing all right? <laughs> you know, do you do you like this? Does this make you happy? You know, so it's uh it was it was a tough time. Yeah. Shit, man. I think I think a lot of us, I think a lot of our listeners have we have had our our versions of that. And but yeah, we find that thing. That thing that I don't have to feel that. I don't have to feel that today. Here's a here's a little escape and it's becomes very appealing well let's keep let's keep walking forward so at this point maybe not a regular thing but every time you have the opportunity you're you're Mm -hmm. taking it you're going full tilt keep walking us forward jeff yeah so i uh i graduated high school decided i well i knew i didn't want to go to college right away so i chased a uh, hockey dream on the east coast so i went to play junior hockey for uh two years um, after high school, and you know, it was it was sort of the th- the the same theme. You know, every time I had an opportunity, I would I would take it and go. There was a lot of I had to have a lot of discipline in that in that kind of world. Um, you know, drinking before um, nights before games and you know practices and things like that wasn't something that I was really into because you know the sport was really really important to me and. Um, those two years were, were, were sort of like that. It was, you know, there was an opportunity about once a week, we'd get 
um, a day off for practice. And, you know, there's about once a week where I could, I could get away with, you know, being hung over the next day. Um, and I would take it. So those, those two years were, were pretty structured, but you know, again, I never, never moderated, never moderated when I had it. Um, I passed out or, or browned out or blacked out sometimes. So did you find any, uh, like any sort of like comfort or purpose? I don't know what the hell the right word is, but like being part of like being part of a team being, you know, Mm -hmm. and having, having that be such a, a big part of your life. Did that, provide any sort of peace to that like that inner inner turmoil yeah that's a great that's a great question um you know when when you go to play junior hockey you're you're kind of eating sleeping and and breathing you know hockey with your with your team i mean you you all live in the same community you know you're you're seeing each other every day in the gym you're seeing each other every day at the rink and you know it it really did provide me a, a great sense of community and that that certainly did help me um, through that. And I was I would say less miserable than I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. I like I was in the military after high school, and it's not like never played junior hockey. But like I recognize, in so, there's a lot of similarities between different organizations, and I think I, I would imagine that that there's some similarities between mm-hmm. those those two worlds. And it's just the there's there were times in my life too where I was just was so involved with this group of people, you know, with, with a mission or a a job or a task that we're trying to do that gave me the sense of purpose and took away some of that urge and that desire. But, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you did, uh, the junior hockey, you did that for two years, you said? Yep. For two years. Okay. So when I was, uh, you can't play juniors, uh, past your 21st birthday. Otherwise you lose a, a year of college eligibility. So, Turned 20, you know, decided I should probably go to college and, you know, went and played college hockey in, in, in Colorado and went there to not really quite sure why I went there. It was just a, you know, a decent, it, it wasn't NCAA hockey, but it was um, um, D1 club hockey, which is a little different. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but, and, you know, they had a good engineering program and I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to study engineering. So, um, and they have had good skiing. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, I went, uh, went there and, um, you know, I, I turned 21 my freshman year in the dorms. So that oh. was, that was a little bit of a recipe for some interesting times. I had a lot of friends because of that, obviously. And, you know, it's a, it was a huge party school and it was, I wasn't, I, I was still continuing on my, on my theme of going 110%, but in the, in the, in the college world especially at that school it was everybody was doing it you know so it was more normal and you know one of the one of the biggest events um that that happened on this journey for me was my freshman year i i got a grade three concussion you know playing playing hockey and lost consciousness and 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 everything and it was it was a really really uh tough injury for me and don't remember two days before it and you know, got the got the physical care I needed from you know team doctors and and things like that, but the but the mental care just wasn't there. So, you know, I got I got six weeks where I couldn't play, and after that, you know, I was starting to play again, but I was I, I had some really really miserable side effects, me- mental side effects to that concussion, 
you know, I would, you know, just studying, I'd get splitting headaches. Um, you know, I'd be walking around campus and I would forget how to get back to my dorm. I have to call my roommate and, you know, he'd find me crying under a tree because I just, I was so confused and, you know, I couldn't, couldn't sleep. Um, there was just a lot of stuff that uh, I wasn't prepared for and I didn't know how to ask for help. And I, that's when I really started self-medicating and using booze. And that was, that was a really difficult time. You know, booze was the only thing that gave me any relief. It's the only thing that would make me fall asleep and turn my splitting headache mind off. Um, so I started, you know, basically started chugging bottles of vodka in my dorm room um, to fall asleep and, and cope. That sounds tough, man. Looking back, like, like, did you think that this was just that these effects would be short term? Were you worried about what this could do long term? Yeah, I, I knew the, the behavior was abnormal. I was, I, I was a little scared of what was going on. You know, I, I kind of had one aha moment where, you know, I was in a small dorm room <laughs> and you know how dorms are. You got the twin bed on either side of the room and, you know, I turned my desk lamp on at 2 a.m. and I'm just drinking because I can't fall asleep. And I, and you know, my, my roommate wakes up and looks at me and he goes, just goes, what are you doing, man? It's like, well, yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? And, you know, I just, I was concerned, but I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I really had no idea what to do and how to, how to ask for help. You know, that's come up a couple of times since we've been talking, like just like not knowing how, how mm -hmm. to like, how to ask for help, how to express what we're feeling. That's tough. And, you know, and again, like we've said, if we're confused and scared, we don't know where to go, but there's this, there's this thing, there's this thing that kind of for a moment loosens those feelings. All right, man. Let's keep uh, let's keep going, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So you know the rest the rest of college is you know a little bit of a blur, but you know the the consistency that I was using booze for pretty much everything. Like it, like it transitioned to concussion symptoms, and then it just um, well transitions from concussion symptoms to basically coping with everything. And you know I I limped through college the being the party guy and being miserable my depression got noticeably worse um i started having pretty pretty bad suicidal thoughts and i started cutting myself more mm -hmm. and it was just a i had no outlet you know no place for the pain to go and i just it just needed to go somewhere and yeah, well, that was a uh, thinking about it. That was that was tough and lonely. And uh, you know, I almost I almost dropped out my sophomore year. I almost dropped out, um, but I you know was convinced myself. Well, I'm 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 this far. I should keep going. Um, so you know, somehow ended up ended up with the engineering degree um, and made it. Yeah. <laughs> Limp to the finish line. During those last few years of college, with whether it was. The, the cutting or continued use of alcohol did would, did you have anybody in your life that that recognized any of these things that 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 mentioned anything you know like hey jeff I, i'm see you know i'm seeing a scar or you know I, i'm noticing that like when you drink it's too much you know did you have anyone step in and and try to address any of this behavior with you uh there was 
there was moments, you know, I, I, I did have that exact same thing happen. Um, what you just said, somebody said, you know, what's, what's this on your arm? And I was, I was really good at saying, oh, I got slashed at hockey. Um, that's what I said. And that's how I would cover that up. You know, as far as my drinking behavior, I mean, there was, you know, I'm, if we would drink Friday night after a game, you know, Saturday morning, people would be waking up um, at the at the hockey house, we called it. I would start hitting the bottle again in the morning. And, you know, there was a lot. I mean, not a lot, but there was some questions like, what, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I would mostly respond with, I don't know, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, dismiss it. Do you think there's any part of you, any part of you at that time that thought, I think there's, all right, I'll just ask a question instead of trying to figure out how to explain sure. what it was like for me. Was there any part of you that, that, that that questioned your drinking or 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 like was there did you have any ideas that i should cut back i should tailor tailor this or or make this a certain way did you have any ideas or or attempts during those like college years to do that yeah there was um you know there were few and far between but you know they did they did happen you know there would be some nights where i'd be so miserable from the last night of drinking that you know, I had thoughts of, you know, what, what is this substance even doing for me? You know, what, what I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. Um, and then, you know, I wouldn't go out and people would be like, why, why aren't you going out? You're always going out. And then I would, you know, that was my rebellion against drinking was, <laughs> was not going out and, 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 uh, you know, but that, that would not happen very often. Um, the thoughts were there, but it was, not very often that they they'd get there yeah that that's just a weird age too it's uh i would like i would feel like this remorse over like a night that was particularly consequential mm -hmm. and be like oh shit why did i do that but i never really it was, i mean it was much later in life before i had the idea of you know I was, it was it was always like i can't do that again but i don't know i was much older before i I had the idea like all right i should moderate or or try yeah. to moderate which was a fucking nightmare too but <laughs> anyway yeah all right so we limped across the the graduation stage you, yes. you're an engineer now yeah so i i had a job a job lined up in uh, anchorage alaska through some you know kind of through some family connections and went back and started working as a as a uh, newly graduated engineer call them EITs, engineer and training, um, moved back in with my parents for about six months. Um, and then I saved up to, to buy a, to buy a townhome. And, um, you know, during that, during that first year, you know, I, I, I had the thought, I remember, I remember moving back and being like, okay, so I'm not in college anymore. So I don't have the excuse of, well, I'm in college. So this is just what I'm doing. I'm drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but, you know, that probably lasted all, all of a day <laughs> and, and the, the, uh, the drinking, you know, was the same amount. It was just a lot more depressing because it, it was by myself and at the, at the town home that I, that I, that I bought, I, uh, you know, had two of my really good high school buddies moved in with me um, and they were working in the restaurant industry. And, you know, I was, I was working this, 
you know, eight to five and, and they would get home at, you know, 10 PM and I'd be, you know, half a case deep and they would get home. So I'd be like, okay, well, um, well let's, let's drink and play video games. So I'd be up till two in the morning hanging out with them. And then I would, you know, get up at six in the morning and, and go to my job. And it was just pure, pure survival mode. Um, I was, gosh, I was even running, I was mountain biking, I was skiing a bunch and, and, you know, just operating in that cycle. And, and, and my, my body started, you know, showing signs of breaking down. And it was really weird, weird things that would happen. One of them was, um, and it took me a while to figure out that drinking was the cause of this. I would start sweating when I started eating. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And it was when I, when I was in a cycle of drinking and there was other things that would happen. Like I would start getting, getting hives when I would start drinking. So I would take a, take a Benadryl before I would start, (laughs) start drinking so that, so that I wouldn't, uh, you know, yep. Break out or feel the itchiness in my throat or whatever. And it was, you know, it was my body just, just trying to tell me something. Yeah. The resourcefulness of humans, man, we will figure out any way to keep this behavior going. Right. Mm-hmm. Was there any sort of, uh, any, any sort of like consequences at work where like, you know, when we're younger, we can, we can take a lot more, but, um, uh, you know, while you were at work, did anybody, was anybody aware of, of your behavior? Did it, was it impacting your workspace at all? Yes. Um, so, you know, it was about the first, the first year or so. I, you know, I think I probably hit it pretty well, although I say that and I'm sure, sure people observed it in the office, but, you know, kind of after that, you know, sur- you know, operating in the survival mode started to, started to get tougher and tougher. And what they started, what a lot of my coworkers started calling Mondays was uh, Palmer Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> my last name is Palmer. <laughs> and that would basically, I, I basically just didn't come in a lot of Mondays um, because I, yeah, I was just, I was just going too hard on the Sunday. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of work consequences because it was, we weren't terribly busy and I was, you know, I was still keeping up with my work, but it was, you know, I'm, I know Palmer Monday came from, well, I've been, you know, Jeff's been partying like crazy and he can't come in on Monday. And I'm, I'm sure there was, a lot of people that knew that. Yeah. Was there any part of you that looked at, all right, I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to keep doing my work. You know, you mentioned that there's, you know, that there's some physical activity you're doing. I don't know whether it's to have a, a day of work named after us, you know, like a, <laughs> an unofficial weekly holiday. It's, <laughs> I mean, looking back, there's ways that that could be like, oh shit, that's incredibly sad. But it, like, also as a as a young person maybe that could feel a little endearing were there were there any parts of you that that were were justifying like the continued usage because you're able to you know there's certain things that you're accomplishing yes yeah um you know i was still checking the boxes i rode with that for a long time you know i i i got a job at it i graduated college i got a job i i bought a house you know i and and you know everything that that you know, I was told would bring me happiness as a, as a, as a kid. And as a teenager, I was starting to check the boxes and I definitely used that 
in my in my mind to to justify a lot of it yeah i think that's a great term jeff that check the boxes that was definitely part of it for me too is looking job check wife kids check uh you know i'm showing up am i am i some sort of volunteer am i you know am i donating money am i going to church am i a member of a sports and rec league you know like whatever there's here's all these things that normal humans do and i've got eight out of ten or what whatever so i'm good like i can't be that guy it's not me all right man well yeah let's again like let's keep what was uh what was next yeah so you know what in those first first couple years of of you know coming back and and you know checking more boxes i you know i i i definitely started to you know drive drive more um drinking and i was in a i was in a ska band <laughs> and uh you know yes. we'd, have, we'd have we'd have practices at at you know weekday nights and i'd be drinking at practice and then i'd drive home and you know i had i had a rule that you know i would never drive drunk if anybody else was in the car with me but it was just kind of uh that was me saying oh i don't care about myself but you know i was really putting everybody in danger and that's you know that's big source of guilt for me (laughs) um and shame i started noticing that and i started having thoughts of you know how long can this go on you know what what's what's the end game here am i gonna i'm am i gonna die in a fiery wreck am i gonna wake up or not wake up (laughs) you know one morning you know because the amount of booze i was drinking was you know a lot a lot a lot i actually started doing the google searching um and i bought alan carr's um easy way to quit drinking book okay I was, you know, that's when I was 25. And so that was 10 years ago. I read it, you know, it it was, it was one of those things where I couldn't unread that. And it really, really changed my viewpoint of what I was doing to myself. And, you know, I had the, the last like couple chapters in that book, I think it goes through this whole thing about like, you know, take your, take your last drink and notice how disgusting it is. And, I remember I did the whole ritual, bought a couple IPAs and a pint of Sailor Jerry (laughs) (laughs) because I was like, I want this to be disgusting. So I went with Sailor Jerry and, you know, had that as my last drink while kind of reading the last chapter ish of the book and, you know, had a lot of emotions that came out um, and, you know, really, really had a moment there where I just wanted to stop and I lasted, you know, I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody except, you know, my, my close friends, which included my roommates. It wasn't, it was never pointed like, uh, you know, I want to quit. It was more like, yeah, I'm taking a break. You know, I think, I think I need to get this in check a little bit. And I lasted 11 days. Um, and I remember, you know, what kind of broke that 11 days is I had a, I had a show, um, in the, in the ska band I mentioned and, you know, didn't really tell anybody I was trying to stay sober for that night and showed up and a bunch of friends were at the bar and was handed a shot. And I just, I had no tools to know what to do. So yeah. I just took it uh, and, you know, went, went kind of back on the, back on the boost train. That first time, did you, did you 
continue to just go back right into regular drinking for like an extended period of time? Or did you try again to get another stint? Yes, I went back, you know, to my usual drinking, tons of drinking, but there was a lot more shame and depression tied to it. You know, I'd say that that's when I really started doing a lot of day ones. And, you know, that's, that's the inner voice, you know, that we all know that started, that was, why can't you do this? You know, you said you weren't going to drink and then, you know, five o'clock rolls around, rolls around after work. And well, I haven't been to this liquor store in a while. They, they might not recognize me. You know, I, I didn't really think that I could get more miserable than I was in, was in college and, and, you know, the, the year after college, but you know, that really started, started the pretty bad depression cycle. Um, I would say, and that was, that was really, really difficult, you know, you know, experimented with, you know, more, more self-harm and I was, gosh, I was alone, miserable. You know, I was, I was, I was two people. I was taking care of my shit during the day and at night and in the morning, I was, um, just an absolute, absolute wreck. You know, that's interesting. There is no, there's no singular path to recovery, right? And there's, you know, if we talk to a hundred people, we might hear 200 different stories about how we got from recognizing that we had an issue to, you know, being able to hit a day one or to start a, a, a decent chunk or before we're able to get some traction. It's, it's a good thing that there's, I think, I think it's a good thing that there's so much literature out there, like Alan Carr, any grace, you know, the old fashioned big book, Paul's got his book. There's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there and there's more and more coming out every year. I think this is good. You know, you mentioned buying that book 10 years ago and I don't think, I don't think there's any shame in taking, taking 10 years, taking 20, like whatever it's, it's, I mean, it's all work and it's all cumulative, but it also positions us to, like you said about Alan Carr, like we can't, like once we ingest some of that information, like you just can't look at it the same way. Mm -hmm. It's you, you, you've got this, you know, it's like the garden of Eden and you've taken a bite of that fruit, you know, you're like, that's a weird reference, man. Uh, But (laughs) But like, it's like, now, you know, like, you know, that you're naked and, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, and we've got to, we like, we've got to be ready on several different fronts before, before we can get that traction. And like, it's okay. Like looking back, we can say that's, it's okay. But when we're in it, that can be some extremely, some real painful shit to go through. Sure. Yeah. I mean, mean, during that, during that time, I was you know, noticing things like, you know, I didn't, I didn't even like the taste and I never liked the taste. Some people like their hoppy taste in IPAs or, you know, tequila in the sun or whatever. Some people do like the taste, but I never, ever did. I just wanted to get drunk and escape. I would much rather have a, have a root beer <laughs> than an yeah. IPA, you know, and, and, uh, that's always been the case. And so there was just little, little things that I kept observing that, that really just started, started compounding and yeah, the last time we started compounding over the last 10 years. Well, we've got, we've got a few minutes before we're going to dip into rapid fire. I want to make sure we talk about like over the course of this 10 years and especially, especially like up to 90 days ago, like what are, what are some things 
in that time, Jeff, that have really maybe been game changers for you that have have shed light? And, and you know, it's not always necessarily, you know, I was going to ask the the way the the way the question popped in my head was like, what are things that have allowed you to like stack some days? But I don't think that that's necessarily the measure of, I mean, for me, that's the goal, but sometimes we can learn things about ourselves. It's not a direct correlation to days and and quality of life necessarily. But anyway, what, what are some things, you know, over this time that have really allowed you to, to view things differently or, or to find some of that internal growth that, that you can then put into into action. Yeah. So, uh, you know, really, really what has allowed me to make steps forward over the past 10 years, you know, no matter how small the steps are or seem, you know, there's still steps and uh, little moments of, of uh, I don't, I, I guess I could call it clarity, you know, where it's, I need to do something to get to the next step or I need to do something Otherwise, I'm going to, you know, die is a lot of um, terminology that I've used. And, you know, going to therapy for the first time three years ago, that was a, you know, that was a moment where I was like, I got to do something. Um, And, you know, started, started making calls and, you know, actually called my sister who is a doctor and she lined up, you know, places for me to call because it's kind of daunting when you're trying to figure out what kind of therapist there's 15 different letters you know after people's names and trying to navigate all of that and you know she she just told me you know call these places and called them and i got something and um you know same for you know going to going to bozeman for the first time you know two years ago in 2021 you know that was just a i need to do something for myself and and um you know didn't know anyone and just did it you know and that's just really really trying to make steps forward in those little moments and, and, and grab onto it. From that Bozeman trip, being able to, to meet some people like since, since then, then this is not, this is not to promote Bozeman, but it is amazing, but more, you know, looking at it at a bigger picture community and, you know, developing some relationships and finding some people, what, what role has that played? Oh, um, absolute game changer. You know, I spent, you know, as I went through and in, in the in our in my story here, it's there's been a lot of alone time, a lot of depression and being alone. I always call it the uh, my my dark cave. It's kind of a I when I'm isolating and by myself and and depressed. It's a it's a dark cold cave, and I'm and there's an inch of water at the at the bottom of it, and I'm lying face down trying to breathe, and that's how I describe being alone in this. And, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. There's people that understand there's people that love you, um, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say you can't do it alone. um, But I couldn't, you know, I, there's, there's no way I just didn't have the tools and, you know, talking with people and connecting with people who just, want to get better is an absolute, absolute game changer. That's awesome, dude. Uh, and I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Just allowing that, that chosen family in and just letting people love us when we're struggling to love ourselves, people mm-hmm. that are going to, people that are going to listen to us, p- 
piss and moan about like whatever we need to piss and moan about, but then like hold us accountable and pull us out and just be, Hey, like, I get it. This is tough. That's a hard day, but check your attitude. Like what, you know, what can we do? How can we move forward? Yeah. Um, You know, finding that right circle of influence. Yeah. it, It can change our whole lives. Last question before we get into the rapid fire round, Jeff, as a married guy, I always, you know, talk about what it, you know, what a role my wife has has played in my recovery and i'm just wondering how how does that look in in your relationship has has your wife been able to to help you in a certain way have you been able you know like how has that journey of recovery been able to play an impact on the relationship that you have uh do you have time for episode two (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so you know we got we got married just about five years ago now and uh you know, I'll, I'll try to keep this short, but, um, you know, I didn't know how to, how to even say it to myself that I had a problem. So I, of course, couldn't say it to her. And, um, you know, it was, you know, she observed a lot of, a lot of concerning behaviors, um, you know, after we got married and it was a very, very difficult, very difficult time. And, you know, I went through the, the hiding drinking, um, cause I was just so ashamed of the volume and what I was doing to myself, you know, gosh, hiding, um, harming myself. You know, there was things I did where, you know, I would, I would time my showers so that, you know, my, my scars weren't visible and, you know, it was really difficult. And, you know, the one thing that I can say is continuing to use booze, um, in your relationship just absolutely breaks down communication. Like it, there's no way to get through to each other when it's a part of the equation like that. And, yeah. you know, she's, she's been very, very amazing, very, very supportive. And, you know, without her, I, I would not be here today uh, because she, she saw it as my journey and she is a presence that if I need it, I can reach out and I won't get judged. And it's <laughs> having that kind of support is, is absolutely incredible. And, you know, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. I'm glad you got her, man. And I'm glad that you got to a point where you are able to like open up and it's mm-hmm. like when we, again, like people want to love us and we're like, when we give them the opportunity, it's, there's some really cool shit that can happen when we, when we give them the chance to love us, support us, encourage us, we can't change our past, but it's like, what the hell? Like, why didn't I, why did I let them in? Sure. However long ago, but. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I mean, since, you know, there's been a, I, I know we skipped over a lot, but there's been, you know, tons of, tons of day one, the tens of weeks, tons of two weeks, um, you know, periods of time where I haven't drank and each time during that time, when I'm not drinking, the relationship just gets better because, you know, I'm able to communicate. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's more fun going out and not checking out, you know, going yeah. on dates and not checking out, you know, and actually, and actually connecting, you know, amen to that brother. Well, Jeff, we are here at the rapid fire round time screen by my dude, but in 30 to 60 seconds, what has been your biggest fear as you think about quitting drinking? My biggest fear was really just being by myself without the blanket of booze. Yeah. What is a positive that you 
did not expect in a life without alcohol? Uh, some hobbies turning into passions. You know, music has always been a, a hobby of mine, but it's turned into an essential part of myself and something that I need in my recovery. And, you know, live music is, is, a, is a tool for me now. What is your go-to alcohol-free drink? I'm going to go with Liquid Death. I actually have one here right now. So it's a, people um, often wonder what it is because it kind of looks like a booze can, but it's it's just sparkling water. <laughs> sparkling water, a very aggressively marketed sparkling water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your plan in sobriety moving forward, Jeff? So uh, moving forward with integrity and just owning who I am and just stop hiding stop hiding you know it's this stuff is hard and and you know the world is changing with recovery and there's more people who are saying hey i want to get better too and um you know the more that we come out in the in the open and own our story you know the more that it 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 helps people and changes things Beautiful. what parting piece of guidance can you give to our listeners who are early in recovery or thinking about getting sober so this is, you know, I, I would say that it's a, it's okay if you think this is hard <laughs> because this is really, really hard. And, you know, you might not think it right now, but even even just you listening to this podcast is a huge win, you know, and it, it's, it's uh, recovery is not a straight line. You know, as, as I said, the last 10 years, it's been a crazy squiggle. <laughs> There's nothing straight about it, you know, so, you know, keep, keep making those baby steps. Good word, dude. And last, but certainly not least, Jeff, can you give listeners your favorite? You might need to ditch the booze F line. You might need to ditch the booze if you're deathly allergic to peanuts. And the last six times you went into anaphylactic shock and had to use your EpiPen, you were drinking. You're going to want to monitor <laughs> these trends, right? That's a good one. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your story. And, and I just, I appreciate you, Jeff. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for helping me with my recovery. Glad to be here with you, dude. Recovery Elevator, thanks for listening. And thank you, Jeff, for coming on the show. You're going to help a lot of people today. Wish us luck in Bozeman this week, listeners. I know that there's going to be some lives changed and some connections made. Also, thank you for being a part of my story. Part of what helped me six years ago was being able to listen to this podcast and hear how other people got sober. From listening to the show back and forth on my way to rehab, to joining the rooms of AA, Celebrate Recovery, Smart Recovery, and the ranks of CAF ARE, everything has helped. The theme here is that I connected with other people in recovery. I realized that I wasn't alone and I leaned into community. Keep leaning into it, RE. Keep trusting that there is hope and know that we can get through the hard stuff together. No matter where we are in our journeys, together is always better. You're the only one that can do this, but you don't have to do it alone. I love you guys.